Welcome to The Deciders. This is Renee Frazier, the founder and CEO of Frazier Communications. We're the leading woman-owned and woman-led advertising and communications firm in Southern California. At Frazier, we change behavior to grow brands and to have a positive impact in both the private and public sector. Our firm has been doing a great deal of work across the state of California and in LA County related to vaccines, and also to let people know about the importance of talking, reading, and singing on behalf of First Five California. But the show, The Deciders, is an opportunity for me and Fraser Communications to feature leaders in their fields, change agents in our community, and for us to learn from them. What are the current issues? How could we make our community and our society better? I ask people to share their insights and their tips on particularly important issues. And today we're going to be talking about child poverty. Did you know that California has the highest child poverty rate in the United States? Well, many of us think of California as a very wealthy state, which in fact it is. And of course, we have a wealthy country. But almost 2 million children live in poverty in our state. Our guest today is an expert in this area. Conway Collis is the CEO and president of an organization dedicated to reducing child poverty in California. It is called GRACE. And that acronym stands for Gather, Respect, Advocate, Change, Engage. Wonderful set of words and a wonderful mission. Welcome to the Deciders, Conway. Thank you. It's great to be with you, Renee. And uh, let, let me just say before we jump in that um, I want to thank you for your work. Um, and we've worked together in the past on uh, First Five California issues and your leadership of the, uh, the communications effort, uh, especially to talk, read, sing. But, but, but also just more generally, you're helped organizations dealing with the children, and seniors and Issues of poverty, I really think, helps all of us. And I, I think for a communications firm to have as their byline, let's do some good, in the case of Fraser Communications, is actually accurate, because I think that you do. So it's an honor to be with you today, and thank you for your work. Thank you. Thank you, Conway. I, I totally take it by surprise and uh, very humbled by that. And that is our mission to really use communications to make the world a better place. And as an independent firm, we get to to make a lot of change. And uh, I'm just happy to be a part of it, what I see happening around us. And you're certainly a part of that change picture. Let's talk about child poverty in California. Tell us about the reasons why and what you've been doing with the Child Poverty Task Force. Well, l- let me note that uh, what what Grace um, has done is we've taken the lead in, in forming a coalition of now 173 organizations who have joined with us as partners, including First Five California and First Five Association, um, who have joined together under End Child Poverty California. Dolores Huerta and I uh, co-chair it. Um, and, and as a coalition, I think we've been enormously successful working with uh, Governor Newsom and his, trans- I think, transformative leadership and legislators in really making uh, very substantial changes. Um, but I think we have to start with the fact of what the federal government has now been doing, because the impact on California, as well as the rest of the country, 
is just so enormous. So starting with the American Rescue Plan, we have to stop and realize that the American Rescue Plan has already moved 5 million children across the country out of poverty. Oh, my. And so that is great news. Tell, tell me about that specifically. Was it a child tax allowance? Tell us what that was. Just so that was specifically the uh, $160 million in, 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 in payments of a million, one, excuse me, $1,400 uh, per person that, that provided the support to help move us, first of all, out of the pandemic and towards the future. But the American Rescue Plan was the first step, and we have to realize the impact in California of now the, the administration's proposal uh, for, for the jobs plan and American family plan. And I just want to note just a couple of the provisions because it, it's so important in terms of how we address poverty in California. So first of all, making childcare affordable is absolutely crucial. So investing in the quality of childcare, in investing in the, in the childcare workforce, I mean, these things are uh, it is certainly beyond time that they've happened, but they're happening now. They've been proposed. They've got to be enacted. Second, things like paid family leave, because the reality is that for lower income Americans, even if we extend the leave, the fact is without raising the benefits, they can't afford to take one day of it. So that's really crucial. And and nutrition assistance, um, obviously key. And expanding and making the child tax credit permanent. There's just nothing more important. So the, the child tax credit, which, which is, provides the, uh, the tax benefits to middle-class uh, Americans and the support necessary for lower-class Americans, that simply creates a situation where uh, children aren't, uh, and the parents aren't worried about living on the street. Right. They're able to keep their homes. The, the children are fed, there's childcare, they're able to go to school, the parents can work. That's part of the American that we want to, that we want to build back better. So th- those are some of the measures that are so critical in the proposals. They have massive implications for California. Um, I and- just talk, talk to the implications for a moment based on the work that uh, we've studied and we've done with First Five California. Uh, and and some of our other interviews, uh, we have been talking with uh, experts about how women have been so negatively impacted by the pandemic. And, you know, I'm a woman who's been in business for many years and watched uh, change happen as women have risen in the ranks. And we know that this pandemic has made us take a step back in terms of the number of women in management. But I think it's also made it very clear that child care, paid family leave, these things are critical to give women the confidence and the ability to work. And I will say this too, having talked with thousands of women over my career in the research, many women who find, find work self-esteem building, it gives them a sense of who they are and identity. It doesn't mean they love their children less. It just means that they feel better about themselves and they're able to provide better. But they will not do that if they don't have child care capabilities. And of course, nutrition is critical. So you've talked about a number of these factors, which you're right, need to be enacted to bolster the opportunity for women to work and for families to stay together and to stay strong. In 60% of, uh, of Californians live in childcare deserts. And 
Um, th that is one of the, 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 the foundational issues that we have to address. And it actually, I, I think we've had, we made enormous project, uh, progress in California. That is one area where we have not made the progress um, that um, I, I think it's clear that we need. Um, so the, the investments in, uh, first of all, simply facilities, mm -hmm. second, uh, subsidies so that child care is available to, to everyone. And I think the, the, the quality of the education and the investment in the child care workforce, these are the people that are teaching our kids at the earliest, most vulnerable stage upon which everything else is built. So I do think it's an area where, um, and I think at the state level, um, the administration has wanted to see exactly what the federal government is going to do. Mm -hmm. so we know what, what is necessary uh, in California. Um, and I think Governor Newsom, his administration, I think, have, have done quite a bit. Uh, but they've also been, I think, criticized for, for, for um, uh, some, some folks feel not doing enough. I think the reality is they want to see what the federal government is going to do. And, and, and augment. They're going to have to do more. Right. And augment. You know, we saw that with the... Uh earned income tax credit, right? There's a federal one and there's a California one. And I agree with you. I think Newsom, I mean, everyone's aware, many people are aware we have the surplus and where is that going to be spent? But you're right. The intention, it's clearly there's a focus on the first partner's part and on his part on strengthening families. He knows that's the future of California, right? If we invest in our children now, it pays back in the long run. So I, I agree with you. And I guess we could see that coming. Uh, Tell us uh, about some of the other uh, important tasks we still have to accomplish in the state of California. I promise neighborhood and cradle to career are some important proposals I know you've noted. You, uh, you bet they are. And um, let me just a step, take a step back and see what we've done and, and, and now what we, we still need to do. So in, in uh, uh, four years ago, uh, we had uh, just under... 2 million children living under the federal poverty line in California. That's the highest number, about 20% of the children in the state, highest percentage of children living in poverty of any state in the country. And I, I think many of us remember when you always just assume that was one of, one of the southern states. Or, right. But it, it's mm -hmm. California, the golden state. Um, and 500,000 of those children were living in deep poverty. As a result of the measures that have been taken since 2018, with the the, the you mentioned the child uh, child poverty tax force, which was created under legislation sponsored by uh, Grace, um, and which I co-chaired, the, the child poverty task force uh, came out with 47 proposals from prenatal care through child care through education through income supports, foster care, juvenile justice um, uh, uh, reforms, 47 proposals. And of those, 33 of them have been enacted. Oh, my goodness. That's an increase overall of $4.8 billion a year, which has occurred every year uh, since, since 2018. That, that level of additional investment has been maintained. And as a result, um, it, it's had an impact. Uh, there's been... Um, uh, almost 300,000 children uh, have been moved out of poverty in California, reduction from that almost 2 million. Uh, 115,000 children have moved out of deep poverty, out uh -huh. of deep abject poverty. So there have really been 
very, very significant improvements. And I really credit that uh, to the leadership, I think, of, uh, of, of Gavin Newsom, of his administration, and of really committed uh, legislators, and the fact that there's now a whole coalition of Californians, 173 organizations, members of End Child Poverty California, who have pushed hard and consistently to support these kind of changes. But we got a lot to do. Let me and- let me ask you about that process, just so people understand. Uh, you know, coalescing and bringing people together uh, behind legislation, presenting it then to the legislators, getting it passed. The 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 advocates, the group. Who are they composed of? What are the organizations? Just give us a few examples off the top of your head. How do and and and. Uh, how do you become, how are you so effective? 33 out of 47 is a pretty good track record, and I'm sure there's more to come. So the nature of the group, and then how are you so effective? Well, I think we're effective because of the commitment of, of the, the folks working on it and the, and the groups working on it. Um, uh, but from, from uh, the Children's Defense Fund, uh, California, to, uh, uh, to Children Now, um, to Catholic Charities, um, to interfaith groups. Um, it, it's really uh, parent voices, um, uh, all of the child care groups, um, health care groups like St. John's, Well Child and Family uh, Services, the largest provider of health care in South LA. Um, the list goes on and on. So I think it's, it's, it's all of the, uh, the major groups. Uh, and then the um, you mentioned the uh, promised neighborhood and cradle to career groups like um, South Bay Community Services in San Diego and uh, Mission Economic Development in, in San Francisco. So it's really all of the groups working on this. And I think what's been terrific is that in the past, the reality is what is that all of the groups working in different aspects of what affects children and families have inadvertently been competing with each other essentially cannibalizing each other in the state budget. Mm-hmm. And, and um, what they've all just been enormously responsive to is the message that, look, we, we've got to work together and not compete with each other, but rather to compete for the overall priorities that are necessary. And so I think that's been the, uh, been the big change. And, you know, much as I love to take credit for, you know, for all of this, the fact is it's really the work of, I think all of these organizations, and I think it's important to note, the, the Daughters of Charity are, are the sponsors of Grace, and I think that their um, forward-looking determination to focus on systemic issues um, has really been uh, a major reason for the transformation in this area. I think that's so important to, uh, uh, to underscore. Uh- because uh, you, you are right, I, many organizations who, who very validly care for children in different aspects have been asking for money and legislation. And as you said, they cannibalize, they compete with each other. And the legislators don't know where to turn because they, they're all very valuable and important causes. But when you coalesce the group and they prioritize and they come together, it's much easier for the legislators to see the full picture to make the right kind of decisions. And, and it's a, 
it's funny because it's, it's done on the industry side, right? Trade groups form, competitors work together, but they look for regulations and contracts and procurement opportunities that will benefit everyone. So I, I like seeing this on the nonprofit side. Uh, and I think you're right about being future oriented, systemic change rather than just Band-Aid approaches. Give us an example. I mean, I, I think the tax credit is systemic. Would you share why or, or another example? Yeah, let me um, let, let, let I think it's useful to focus for a minute on what's the, the systemic issues that are necessary to still accomplish that haven't been. Oh, so good idea. Back after the uh, most of the, uh, the, the, the the recommendations from the task force um, were enacted, um, uh, we still identified at that point um, basically uh, five areas that, that still needed a good deal of work and strengthening. So one was the safety net. So a continued expansion and making permanent of the earned income tax credit, the young child tax credit, addressing food insecurity, that whole area. Um, second, housing. I mean, we simply, we, we have made, uh, I think, progress in terms of housing supports, but not in terms of building more houses in, in California. We just, you can't be 3 million housing units short and not have people either living in the street or paying too much. Um, third, childcare. We've talked about that. We, 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 we have to see what the feds are going to do, and then we've got to do the rest. And we have to spend um, a part of the enormous surplus in California on, on making sure that every Californian has access to quality childcare. Um, the healthcare expansion, especially for undocumented Californians, um, is, is necessary for all of California. And finally, the one area where we really have not gotten the kind of progress where we, we, we thought it was a no-brainer, we thought we would be able to successfully uh, implement the coordination of services and the alignment between services through promised neighborhoods, cradle-to-career approaches, the evidence is so clear that that kind of coordination and alignment between programs increases the benefits and the outcomes for the people served. It's more effective and cost-effective for government. It makes everything work better. The fact is that the task force recommendation to create uh, 20 new state-promised neighborhoods uh, throughout California um, which are the programs that bring together in a focused um, high poverty area all of the programs and services, including healthcare and schools, and basically a cradle to career approach? Um, it just seems so obvious we don't have it yet. We didn't get it then. In this session of the legislature, we, we still didn't get it. And it's very, very important that it's still passed as part of this, um, part of this state budget. I just want to mention something else. The Biden administration has now picked up uh, from what was an Obama administration initiative, which is the creation of promised neighborhoods. They have, are now proposing uh, an expansion of promised neighborhoods. And um, uh, Congresswoman Karen Bass just um, circulated a dear colleague letter. Um, in the Congress to expand these programs even more. And it, it's really critical. It's truly a no-brainer. 
makes everything better. We ought to stop playing around with it. We ought to get the income. I want to I want to underscore what a promised neighborhood is. Uh, and many of our listeners may not know. I, I have worked with a, some of the one of the ones in Los Angeles. And I, let me articulate it the way I understand it. And you correct me if I'm wrong, Conway. It's bringing all the resources in a community in a physical geographical area. As you said, the healthcare clinics, the child care centers, the schools, uh, all of the uh, uh, Head Start program, et cetera, all coordinated so that one person, for instance, from a school can recommend a family to a child care center or to a food program. Uh, and there's a almost a, a web that coalesces them rather than asking the family to be able to find where to go. Where's next? And how do I get the resources? It's that kind of uh, connection and efficiency. Is that right? It, it's exactly right. And, it, you know, it's essentially that you, you, first of all, there's outreach to make sure that people are getting prenatal care, um, that that pre- prenatal care is then uh, uh, provided along with um, the, the whatever the social services uh, that may be necessary to help parenting, to keep families together, keep children out of foster care. And then it moves into childcare and early childhood education. All these things are a seamless web. Um, there's a proposal to called Rise Up LA that's being led by uh, Shields for Families, a wonderful program in South LA um, that now has 30 organizations that are part of who have drawn pulled together to provide this seamless web of services. It includes uh, Washington Prep as the high school there, all the feeder schools for Washington Prep. We even have um, uh, uh, two colleges, Occidental College and Lelma Marymount, who have agreed to do all of the the work to help with the transition from high school to college. Wonderful. And this is for um, uh, two um, uh, zip codes in South L.A., which have the highest poverty rate in the United States of America. Oh, my. Oh, my. I did not realize, like you said, I would have thought that would be a different place. But what an excellent program. Uh, That's uh, Catherine Eisenhower. Right. Right. Dr. Eisenhower. But I like the idea of focusing where the problem is. I think some of the sometimes the money gets spread. I think like they call it peanut butter, right? It's all over. And so we can't see the impact. Uh, But if you focus in on two zip codes and help those young people make it through high school and into college and then jobs, that's fantastic. And that program is called Rise Up L.A. Rise Up L.A., yeah. But let me point out that this isn't some new fancy idea. This is basically it takes a village. And it's just it's just making that village a reality in today's world and drawing together the way that a village would work together to help raise all of our children where different parents, different programs, the sports programs knew what the other was doing. This the same thing. Right. Right. I bet. I think it's uh, obviously an, an intelligent way to start to focus in. And uh, there's a lot of learning that goes into this. Let me ask uh, one last question. Uh, Conway, the, the research that you've done and the study you've done demonstrates that Spending the money to reduce child poverty to help children, as you said, from cradle to career actually saves the state money in the long term. Tell us what that looks like. Well, the um, <laughs> if we simply reduce child poverty by a full 50 percent in California, 
that will have a net general fund savings in the state of at least $12 billion a year. Billion, $12 billion a year. So we will have to spend initially to, to, for child care and the other services. But overall, that'll have a savings of $12 billion a year. So it saves lives. It helps avoid the, the traumas that, that affect children in poverty too often throughout their lives. And it actually reduces the cost to California's taxpayers overall. It's just a win-win-win. I like that a lot. It is a win-win-win. And uh, it sounds like we're on the path with the elements that you've been able to put into place. And obviously, you're still working on these legislation with, uh, with our state, statewide, right, in California. So we'll be looking for progress there as well. Uh, I, I, I will just mention, you talked about the trauma. I, we have talked a bit about ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, and how those have consequences from a mental health and a physical health point of view and costs to them. So uh, the, the change that we're talking about runs deep through the system, and uh, I'm excited to see this happen. Uh, is there something we can be doing, writing to our Congress people in, in the case like of as Karen Bass or at a local level, what we should we be advocating for to help in this effort? Well, I think something that all Californians can do is um, we put out the from Grace and End Child Poverty California on social media, um, what, what the important measures are that are coming up and um, for asking people to weigh in and their support um, to, to email their the legislator, state legislators. Um, and uh, to, to call and to write. And those things are critical. I mean, they have an impact and it's something that we all can uh, draw together to do. And so, same thing on, I think we also, look, we have great members of Congress from California, like Karen Bass, um, but, but they need support. And so it's the kind of thing where we should also be writing in to the federal representatives so they can show that there's support. The final thing is, um, you know, we got to keep voting. We yes. just got to keep voting. Yes, that's exactly right. Well, that's great advice. Thank you, Conway Kala, CEO of Grace, and for filling us in on what the important actions are that we can take to reduce child poverty and the amazing progress we've made in the state of California. Thank you for spending time with us on The Deciders. You can hear our podcast anytime on our website at FraserCommunications.com. Frazier is a full-service advertising communications firm, and you can find us at that same website, FraserCommunications.com. We'll be back next week here on The Deciders with Renee Frazier. Have a wonderful and safe week ahead. Thank you for listening.